comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe hey guys what's up this is episode 33 uh, and out now is a film podcast which has abe and i discussing new movies weekly we also bring in a little discussion about the latest movie trailers box office results and predictions a retro review that has to do with the main film of the week games and other fun stuff the main feature or features of the week is are going to be in time and The Rum Diary, and possibly a little discussion of Puss in Boots, or as I'm going to call this episode, The Run Puss in Time. So, joining us to discuss all of these movies with us is our friend, Adam Gentry. Where's the rum gone? <laughs> How you doing, Adam? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, yeah. yeah no problem. Well. Um, okay, so let's get underway with a few quick announcements. Um... We recently released a special bonus episode this past week, didn't we, Abe? Yes, we did. It was yeah. uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's the uh, it's our first attempt at a commentary for John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, so that's available on iTunes and you know all the places you can find our show right now. So you know anyone that's a fan of The Thing and is tired of listening to John Carpenter and Kurt Russell talk about it, you can you know listen to us kind of get our way through it. And uh, yeah, so that's out there. Also, um, iTunes reviews always cool to get a you know. A rating or a sentence or something on iTunes. Nice to promote awareness of our of our podcast. So you know, have the time. Cool to do, but happy to happy to receive anything we get. So anyway, um, let's go underway with little know everybody now, where we kind of ask each other a few questions to kind of set the mood for our podcast. And uh, let's start with Abe. Sure, uh, Adam. A million years or a million dollars? Are you asking me which one I'd rather have? Yeah, which one would you rather have? Hmm. Gotta go with a million dollars. I would go with I that mean, too. <laughs> after a million, you know, well, after a, I don't know, a couple hundred years, I think you'd get kind of bored. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how much mileage can you get out of, you know, back when I was your age, you know, we had an iPhones and, you know, and we, <laughs> we had a touch the screen. Be quiet, Grandpa. Now we have Z phones. We're like great, 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 Grandpa. <laughs> now I just blink and I can talk to Tokyo. Yeah. It's not, yeah. I would go with it with a, with a million dollars. I think I could do more good and have a better time with that, and not be miserable. Yeah. You know, being the old guy on the block. Cool. So, Aaron. Yes. Which Tom Hanks performance would be best served by a replacement with Johnny Depp? Which Tom? So I'm, re- I'm replacing. I'm, repl- I'm replacing. A, I'm replacing a Tom Hanks movie with Johnny Depp. Yeah, you're putting Johnny Depp in a Tom Hanks movie. Which one and why? Let's see. Could it be in costume? Because then that'd be awesome with Castaway and the Pirate. <laughs> uh, your question's coming, Abe. You're impatient. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few I can think of, but I almost wonder. I want to. I would replace Tom Hanks with um. What's the what's his Da Vinci Code character's name? Robert Langdon. Oh yeah. Langdon. Yeah, I think it's Lincoln. I'd, yeah, I'd I'd probably go with that just because he is so boring in those roles, and I think Johnny Depp could at least do something that would make those movies less boring. Gotcha. Yeah, I totally forgot that he was in that movie. Or th- I for- yeah, movie so some people forgot that movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, a runner-up probably on the 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 terminal. Oh no, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. I went there. Oh. Uh, one of your favorites there, Adam? Are you you a big terminal fan? I absolutely love the terminal. And I think Tom Hanks is just remarkable, and I just that film makes me very, very happy. It's kind of the cinematic equivalent of a hug. It's not a movie I dislike. It's just, uh, it, you know, I watch that movie. And I'm like, oh, there's Tom Hanks doing a funny accent. 
was funny. I thought he was great, but you know, that's me. That was my runner-up. So, <laughs> all right, my turn. And Abe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Between two action stars, would you rather see Timberlake bringing sexy back to America or Shia LaBeouf saying no, 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 no to crime? You know, after saying in time, I'd have to say Shia LaBeouf saying no, 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 no to crime. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, I'll go with that, even though he's uh, he saved the world already twice and we should owe him. Three times. Oh, three, three times. times. We're in a debt of gratitude to him forever. Aaron, who's better at basketball, Teen Wolf or Bugs Bunny? Teen Wolf. Are you sure Bugs Bunny did have a lot of cool tricks? Um, Who won Space Jam? I believe Jordan slam dunked (laughs) it at the end of Space Jam. Not Bugs Bunny. He was too busy chasing tail with that other bunny rabbit. Technically, Teen Wolf never won either. He turned back into human form. (laughs) Yeah, the wolf was in his spirit. He didn't need to be the wolf. He just had to think the wolf. (laughs) Okay, he's Abe. a one-man wolf pack again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. Abe. Okay, I have a question that's fairly similar to yours, almost. Mm. What do you think is the best Johnny Depp role as an actor? Oh. Regardless of whatever costume he's wearing or voice he's putting on, which acting role do you think has best served Johnny Depp's talents? I'm going to pull up a list of his, his films so I you know, don't miss anything. I don't want to shortchange the Depster. The <laughs> <laughs> Depster! That goes with my uh, how I call Clooney the Cloonster. So. Oh my gosh. We did not just... Yeah, like we're syncing up? Okay. Role that best serves him. Now, to be fair too, to Johnny, I haven't seen you know his complete filmography. And... This might be a somewhat cliched choice, but I've got to say, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, not so much the sequels, but in that film, he just brought so much life and so much energy and so much weirdness to a part that, on paper, is, could be very, very pat, very formulaic, and just very boring. And instead, he gave us a pirate as we'd never seen one before. And so I would have to go with that performance from that film. Hmm. Although I really did like, uh, he was very, he was great in uh, Sweeney Todd as well, but I'd have to go with Curse of the Black Girl. Yeah, I found that to be a tricky question because I was thinking about that when I was watching The Rum Diary. Like, what's the best acting that I've seen Johnny Depp do, given that he, you know, plays a lot of quirky characters a lot. So that's something I have to think about still, too. I, I don't have an answer for that myself. All right, your turn, Adam. Right, now I can go. I feel so special. <laughs> All right, so, so Abe, mm-hmm. um, in the future, obviously, it's impossible to, to make a futuristic film where there's happiness, sunshine, and rainbows. It's always you know, dark, depressing, and horrifying. So what's your favorite dark future film? Dice Toe. Ooh, <clears throat> a good question. I mean, a dark future film. I think of a lot of them that come to mind, like right now, immediately two of them are Blade Runner and Minority Report. Not bad choices. Yeah. Not bad at all. <laughs> because I, I really like the futuristic uh, aspects of Minority Report, and then Blade Runner is just crazy. It's just like ultra weird. Uh, I'm going to go with Priest because it's... <laughs> you're, you're, you're a jerk. <laughs> you're such a jerk. <laughs> I'm like two points going up, up, and gone. <laughs> Uh, it's a toss-up, because uh, those are the first two that come to mind, but I'm sure that there's plenty more out there that are fantastic dark feature films as well. I mean, even I venture, like, Terminator 2 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I was really hoping Blade Runner was going to come up. Like, oh, come on, Abe, go for Blade <laughs> Runner. Yeah! And then I went with Priest. Yeah. <laughs> Good feeling gone. <laughs> By the way, I'm just, I'm just thinking about Johnny Depp roles, and Ed Wood came to mind, actually. That was a, that was a fantastic... Yeah. I, I love his optimism yeah. in that movie. Just the way he plays that character, I really just... He's supposed to be fantastic in it, and I, I knew that a lot of people would have picked that if they'd have been asked that question, but I haven't seen it, so... We're going to have know. to start developing lists of shame for all of our <laughs> guests, <laughs> and, and each other, for that matter. Yeah, we should just have that. 
list of shame. I love the afterthought there. You know, list of shame for our guests. And you know what? We yeah, we'll play. I guess we could do it for us too. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, I think that's everybody. Yeah, that's a little note. That's everybody, and that's a little note, everybody. <laughs> so let's. Uh, Yep, time to well. Let's uh, move on to movie trailer talk, where we discuss a couple of the latest movie trailers that came out. And um, I'll set up this first one. It is called The Darkest Hour. The Darkest Hour is a new alien invasion movie, because there have not been nearly enough of those in the past year. And this one is set in Russia, and it involves a group of young American adults trying to struggle to survive after an alien invasion. It stars Emil Hirsch, um... Olivia Thurlby, Rachel Taylor, and Max Magnella. <laughs> Max Magnella. I just point that out because I saw him in Art School Confidential, so I figured well, I, I know that guy. He's in also in the social network, network too. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Can say Raj Batul, whatever his name is, without any problem. But Magnella is a hard thing for you. Wow. It is, you know. <laughs> so, so. Um, I think uh, one notable thing is that it's um, it's produced by. Oh, that's another tough name. It's produced by the director of Wanted, Timur Bekmambetov. <laughs> Timur Bekmambetov. And uh, he also directed a couple of the, was it, um, Night, Night Watch and Day Watch, those uh, Russian vampire movies. Anyway, yeah, he's a producer behind uh, The Darkest Hour. And, uh, yeah, has a bunch of invisible aliens. They seem to be draining the planet of its energy, but are also thwarted by electricity, from what I can tell. <laughs> uh, yeah, looks looks like a romp, I guess. Um, Abe, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I don't think it, it was that intriguing of a storyline. I think it was strange that they have, uh, you know, it's centered in, in Moscow. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of weird things that I thought about during this movie. It's like just physics and everything else i should point out that's in 3d yeah that's probably gonna be, well it might be actually pretty cool i mean there's some pretty cool electrical scenes and what have you but i i'm not too too thrilled or excited about this uh trailer yeah not really excited about it either it, it, a lot of it when i was watching the trailer reminded me of the matrix because they do some of these very similar like for example when in the matrix when neo can sort of see the code and whatnot or the agents can see the code mm -hmm. what uh, what is the matrix Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the question that preoccupies our people. But it's, again, the film just looks kind of lackluster. I mean, we were talking before the podcast, and I mean, there are people throwing light bulbs long distances, and they don't break. <laughs> You've never seen Russian-made light bulbs, apparently. <laughs> yeah, Russian parts, American parts, it doesn't matter. They're all made in Taiwan. It just, not, yeah, pretty lackluster. Yeah. I can't say I was like blown away by the trailer, but yeah, they're, they're, it's. I, I seem to be a sucker for a lot of these alien invasion movies, regardless of how bad they are. Skyline, but um, <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. For some reason, it comes out, you know, just in time for Christmas on December twenty third. So, you know, there, there's one way to bring in the the new year, I guess. So, anyway, let's move on to the next trailer. And how about Adam? How about you uh, introduce it for us? All right, so from the magical mind of Mr. Theodore Geisel, Mr. Dr. Seuss himself, uh, we've got a new film coming out in, let's see, when, this, when is this film coming out? It's coming out in March of next year, March 2nd, so hopefully it'll come out before the end of the world in 2012, called The Lorax, and it follows an idealistic young boy named Ted. He kind of is digging this neighbor girl named Audrey, and the one thing she wants more than anything is to see or have part of an actual tree. And in this sort of... Actually, you know what, Abe? Here is a futuristic film with sunshine and rainbow. <laughs> the um, Matrix. In this in this sort of futuristic world, they don't actually have wildlife anymore or actual you know, trees or nature and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, he goes into this sort of alternate world or, I, I don't know, maybe it's a, a corner of his own world to try to find a tree. I and just... it looks really cute and sweet and just happy. And Danny DeVito plays a little short, tubby, orange thing. He plays the Lorax. <laughs> Come on. What, what, why not? Let's the do this. The film also has Zac Efron as the, the lead uh, male character. Uh, Ed Helms, Taylor Swift, Betty White, because she's not popular enough already, and Rob Riggle. The Riggle. It's like saying Rob Riggle. Anyway, yeah. The Lorax. Yeah. Dr. Seuss is the Lorax. 
it, you know, the trailer started off, and I was just thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be so stupid. And then it just kept, and I just started to smile. I mean, I, I don't, I can't honestly say I'm going to go and pay money to see the film, but I w- certainly wouldn't mind if a, you know, beautiful woman came up to me and said, hey, we're going on a date to see this film. And I'd be like, okay, I'll go with you. I might even hold your hand. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I assume the movie's in 3D as well, and yes, it is. And um, it's from the uh, the creators of Despicable Me. Um, were we fans of Despicable Me? Uh, I I kind of didn't finish it. It's not that it wasn't entertaining. I think it was just it just I just stopped it. I can say I wasn't a fan of Despicable Me, although I love the soundtrack. Hmm. It's one of those. It's a rare movie where I actually listen to the soundtrack multiple multiple times. Yet I really just didn't really care for the movie that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I never never watched it. Yeah. yeah. I will well, say that uh, I instead of going to see Kung Fu Panda, the first one, I went to go see Horton Hears a Who. And I have a feeling that the place is going to be, you know, very family-friendly, but boy, did I make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I should have seen you, you Kung Fu Panda in theaters. That movie was ridiculously awesome. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about past Dr. Seuss adaptations into films? I think they're hit or miss. And that's a that's a good way to put it. I would say mostly miss, although I didn't dislike Horton Hears a Who. I just yeah. wasn't a big fan of it. Not not a, yeah, I didn't dislike it. But it's, just I, 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 to, it's just pretty tough to take. It's pretty yeah, it's so pretty, rhythmic and you know on a page it works great, and then you try yeah. to make a movie and you know you totally have a different rhythm. It doesn't always work. Exactly. I mean, there's a thirty page story that rhymes versus you know an hour and a half movie that has to bring in characters and all these things like. Uh, what the Grinch and uh, God help me, the Cat in the Hat, yeah. and uh, Horton Hears a Who. I think I think I would say Doctor Seuss is better suited for animated films. I'm mean, that makes more sense to me. But even Certainly. then, it's still stretching it quite a bit. And I've read the Lorax, and not a not one of the ones I would have thought would be made into a full length animated feature. But here we are. So mm. I guess we'll see how that turns out. I'm still holding out hope for a Green Eggs and Ham epic or a <laughs> Fox and Socks adventure. You know, sci-fi drama. So you could make a great short film, a great animated short film based off of some of this stuff, and really, you could. I'd love to see do that. Do it justice. I'd love it, to see you know animated films that have like a that are like preempted by some kind of like a short film version of some of these doctors, or even you know like a a uh, an anthology of Doctor Seuss movies. Yeah. You have like three or four Doctor Seuss films like in one movie. I, that'd be great, right? That'd be, a, it'd be. It'd be. I mean, it'd be a very by the book adaptation. But I mean, that's the best way I think to do justice to it. Yeah. That, there's an. You, you hear this Hollywood? Let me let me type that out to Hollywood right now. <laughs> See that period? Okay. <laughs> Sending. <laughs> okay. Do you hear me, Scott Rudin? Do you hear me? <laughs> okay. So that's that's in the mail. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on to our uh, our first movie review for In Time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's the rest? Never met the quota. My units are up from last week. So is the quota. Just once I'd like to wake up with more time on my hand than hours in the day. How old are you? 28. I'm 105. But the day comes when you've had enough. If you had as much time as I have. What would you do with it? Sure as hell wouldn't waste it. The last time anyone saw him alive, there was over a century on that clock. Well, follow the time. His name is Will Salas. You can't hide a hundred years in the ghetto. All right, so that was a little bit of the trailer for In Time, the new sci-fi film starring Justin Timberlake, Amanda Seyfried, Cilla um, Killian Murphy, Vincent Carthizer, Olivia Wilde, Matt Bomber, Alex Pettifer, and uh, direct, written directed by Andrew Nichol, just a host of, of I guess, hot young talents in this sci-fi film. And uh, In Time is... Um, well, it's set in a future world where a, the aging gene has been switched off and people now stop aging around the age of 25. And to avoid overpopulation, after 25, each person is given a year to live. And it's like in a form of a timestamp on their arm where you literally see your clock running out. And so time has become currency where people can now work to earn more time. They can trade or steal time from each other. 
and whatnot. There are two societies, basically. There's a rich class and a poor class, and the rich basically live forever, while the poor class kind of struggle to survive in the ghettos. Um, Justin Timberlake stars as a, a street rat from the ghetto who um, basically has some issues going on in his own life, which results in some drama, and he manages to meet a guy named Henry Hamilton, played by Matt Bomber, who is over 100 years old, and pretty much decides, I'm done, I'm good with not living anymore, and gives Justin Timberlake all his time, and then commits suicide, and Justin Timberlake's basically framed for murder, so he does the only thing that's logical, and heads to the rich land to live it up for a bit before kidnapping the daughter of the wealthiest time man in the world, and uh, he and her, played by Amanda Seyfried, kind of start running away together and eventually become a sort of Bonnie and Clyde of the sci-fi generation as they uh, kind of rob time from the rich and give back to the poor. It's a it's a weird movie. It's a weird way to set up the movie. Yeah. But Abe, what did you think of the movie? Uh, I thought it was a big miss. And I think that I was rather excited about it because this is from Andrew Nichol, who wrote and directed Gattaca, uh, among some other films. Um, strangely enough, I think he also helped to co-write the Terminal. Um, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that he wrote the Truman Show either. So yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he wrote the Truman yeah, Show. Yeah, so I, I feel as though it was kind of like a miss. Either it's a miss in terms of the he just lost his edge, or the characters aren't really portraying anything that well. I mean, maybe it's just that, and I probably do think that it is that too. But uh, early on, there were some really bad editing takes. I felt and. Um, the story, as the storyline goes, it's really convoluted. There's a lot of characters. It doesn't really make t- too much sense. Um, I, I really just, I guess overall, I, I didn't like it that much. I wasn't, I, I didn't hate it like Sucker Punch, but it wasn't very good. Um, it might be along the lines of, uh, of, uh, what was the movie? Priest. I, yeah, Priest, exactly, yeah. Where, where it wasn't terrible, but it was overly stupid and, oh, actually, never mind. Priest was pretty terrible, so... Uh, and uh i was just thinking about this last night which is just i think that i would rather watch a full-length like shirani and clyde movie than than this wow yeah so you pull out a lonely a lonely island reference to make yourself feel better about watching in time (laughs) so yeah overall not too great um again i i don't have that much venom but it's just very forgetful so here's uh here's my question Matt, Matt Bomber's character, Henry Hamilton, uh-huh. is over 105 years old. Right. This movie is set in, like, a near future, from what I can tell. Uh-huh. How is he... How, how, how is this movie's premise possible if he's, if he's living over 100 years old? That means that, like, there's been this time, this aging gene thing since, like, the early 1900s, apparently. Yeah. Like, this premise makes no sense to me. <laughs> there's, the, I, I, it's admittedly like a cheesy kind of premise, and I think there are other movies that have cheesy sci-fi setups to make themselves work. Like Equilibrium came to mind, for example, where you know you're not <laughs> supposed to feel emotion. Yet that movie is entertaining, and there's like stuff going on, and there's decent, there's like awesome there's some decent sequences. ideas. There's awesome action sequences. There's just so much going on in that movie where you, it's easy to look over some of you know yeah. some of the the plot constructions that have you know need to be necessary for the the logic to make sense. This movie doesn't have those things. It's not very entertaining. It doesn't have it does, the performances are kind of all over the place, and you and there's some weird casting choices. You have Johnny Galecki as Justin Timberlake's best friend, who clearly does not look 25 years old, <laughs> and um, and he's also like in a world of like very very pretty people. You have Johnny Galecki, who's like the ugliest person standing around in this world. It's the weirdest thing. But yeah, no, this movie is really badly written. That's that's my biggest gripe with it, and I don't think it's. I, I don't know who to blame, honestly. I, I haven't I haven't I haven't heard anything about like studio interference and like the, the first credit you see when the movie ends is written, directed, and produced by Andrew Nichol. Yeah. So I don't know where the blame is coming from because I think there's a talented cast here. I I like Justin Timberlake on screen. I think he's been doing a good job in the, the other film roles that he's been in, but yeah. he's just kind of he's kinda of head that's you. I, <laughs> I I think he's just been handed kind of a really bad role to play compared to something like the social network last year. I mean, I think he, I don't know what went on. The dialogue's just terrible in this movie. Yeah. And I don't think it's an actor's fault when you have really bad dialogue to deliver. I, but ah, there's, there's so many problems I had. It's boring. It's really boring at times. 
the uh, it kind of jumps the, from all from place to place it, too. Like, it does, yeah. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of running. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, there's there's a lot of running. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Well, you know, they're short on time. There's here. a lot. Come on. <laughs> and, yeah, I know. Yeah, there's a lot, and there's no, a lot I, of like there's a lot of awkward running. There's a scene where like two characters need to run to each other because one character is running out of time and so the other person needs to get to that person so they can give them more time before it's too late and it just looks really awkward the music's all over the place it's really over the top yeah and, it, you know I, I, it was it, over the top but i think that was like probably the only scene that i kind of enjoyed which was like see you say I, that I the theater that i was in the theater, the theater i was in everyone was laughing yeah was we, we started laughing people run toward for the end trauma. of the movie too which is just like the, not even the end of the movie this is like the early yeah i know yeah I know. that happens and it's, yeah. <laughs> now i i haven't seen the film mm -hmm. but i just gotta ask after the street rat reference please tell me amanda Seyfried's character's name jasmine and it'll all be worth it yeah. her name is not jasmine but just oh. like ironically has a talking monkey hanging around him no <laughs> True. No, that's just too Actually, much. No, no, but um, you know, stop it, just <laughs> stop it. There, there is a there. I mean, Justin Timberlake does have the um, the uh, he he is the diamond in the rough. But uh, anyway, this um, yeah, this movie wasn't good. I was really out. I wouldn't say I was like really looking forward to it. I wasn't. I wasn't like super excited about it. But mm -hmm. I, I I expected more from Andrew Nichol because I feel like he knows how. To, I'm not saying he make he makes smart movies, but he makes movies that you know there's more going on in how he's written things, and there's a lot of you know he tend like in Gattaca, for example, he, there's a lot of there's a lot of cleverness to the the world he sets up, and that's you know world building in a sci-fi movie is necessary. Like that's that's a lot of the fun stuff that you get out of a sci-fi movie, where you you know you build this world where you have interesting the way characters behave and act and how the world looks and like the basic premise of what that setup of that world. And that's just not really here. Admit, I can say that the, I, I enjoyed the idea of like the, the whole time structure, but the movie just wasn't, you know, really well handled to make it more interesting than it could have been. I don't, and, I don't know if the idea was that great either. I mean, it, it was just, you know, an idea, I guess, but it, it would have been better if they, they delved a little bit more into it. it later on in the film. They kind of get into a deeper discussion of, well, why can't you just give that to everybody? Well, if you did, there would be like mass chaos and whatever have you. I think that, that was actually a pretty interesting thing to touch upon. Um, even given today's climate about this whole entire, like, you know, this Wall Street stuff, uh, not to say that I'm too political, but it was just interesting to make that, that allusion to it. But uh, I think on the whole, it wasn't... I, I was excited because Andrew Nichol, yeah, but it wasn't, you know, anything that... I, it kind of just looked stupid from the get-go anyway, uh, from the trailer. It's no Simone, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it suffered from, from lack of... Uh, was that Al Pacino in that movie? Yes, yeah. it was Al Pacino. Yeah, there, wasn't enough, there wasn't enough hoo hawing from Justin Timberlake. <laughs> hoo <-ha! laughs> Now... The other things that kind of got to me is like, what is this world like? Why is the why does it look the way it looks? It has this retro style yeah, to it. Where like all the cars like, are from like cars. all the cars are like 60s, 70s cars that like yeah. have slight modifications to their lights and are like all tinted windows. I guess that's the cool thing to and do in the future. Night Rider wannabes. Yeah. Yeah, and like everyone wore like retro like 60s, 70s like clothing, and for no real reason. Like, there's no explanation to this. Yeah, like, everything's very superficial, and, and even yeah. even like. Even the, the trick of what Justin Timberlake's father taught him, it's like, wow, I mean, what if some guy's like, you know, a professional arm wrestler? You know, it's, it's like, give me a break here. So yeah, there, was, there was way too much over the top going on. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, even for like, it was just like a split second too. It's just, it, it, it's really superficial. And, you know, um, you touched upon Aladdin, which I was like, oh, wow, that would have been, yeah, you could basically just watch uh, this movie and put Aladdin's audio in, and I'm sure that you'd probably get a pretty good movie. Uh, and the other thing I was thinking of, you could probably just play all of Justin Timberlake's songs throughout this movie, and it's actually, like, it makes perfect sense. But it's not anything that um, was too, too uh, new or too, too, like, out there. I really did like the the special effects on their arms. Like, you know, there's a part where they're in water and it glows, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And um but yeah it was just bad retro bad whatever else bad character development nothing great i mean amanda safe Seyfried, her character yes. you know it's just it's like oh she's terrible yeah a lot of the audience <laughs> is just like what the f you know it's like 
she says things that are really weird, and then her character does like a 180 to a 180 to a 180. You're not really too sure what the hell is going on. And again, I mean, like at least with Shirani and Clyde, you have a you have a premise of their bank robbers, and Shirani is a is a beast, but she's just very shy. <laughs> I guess I have to link to this video now so people get what you're referencing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I have no idea. No, what you're talking. I'll, I'll put this. I'll put this yeah. in the show notes. But it's, but, okay. a, it's a it's a Lonely Island song with uh, Rihanna and Andy Samberg and their bank robbers and Rihanna just it's it's interesting. You have to watch the video. It's a it's That's a humorous it. take on Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. which is what is I can on say. A boat? No, no, they're not. <laughs> this is the second album. <laughs> I'm on a boat. It's a it's a humorous take on Bonnie and Clyde, which is basically what I could say about in time, except unintentionally humorous. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, wrap that up because I think we I think we've run out of time talking about this movie. Uh-huh. Um, each week we try to do a, a rating that kind of applies to how we'd go and see this movie as opposed to like a number or something. So we go from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, and just kind of forget about it. So Abe, where would you put it on that scale? Uh, that's a tough one. I would say TV just to give it a chance. And I'm saying like network TV, if it ever came out on network TV, not even like cable. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, yeah I'd say in that HBO range, like mm-hmm. when it premieres, that's like, oh yeah, I'll watch this now, I guess. <laughs> Still, I... I like Justin Timberlake in movies, so I'm looking at him. He was great in the social him. network. I mean, that's not... That's I think not he is. I, yeah. No, I, I, I'm saying I, I really enjoy Justin Timberlake as an actor. I'm, I'm happy to see him acting. I just Backing you wish, up, Aaron. I'm backing <laughs> you up. I, I, I really wish that he got a better chance to, you know, this is like basically him becoming this an action star. This is a lead, stuff. yeah. This is, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a lead performance where he's, you know, attempted to be an action star, and I wish it worked out better. So mm-hmm. we'll see in the near, in the next time. But anyway, let's... Um, Let's do so. Let's do some box. Let's uh, yeah. Let's do some box office first, um, since we predicted our results for in time on last week's show, and let's get into it here. I um, let's see. Last week, Mark went with third place of sixteen million. James went with third place of twenty-eight million. That was weird. Um, Abe, what did you predict? I think I said fifth place with three million. Yeah, that's a fun. That's a fun line. But... You said. You said. <laughs> it was like second place with thirty million. Thirty-three billion. Oh, yeah. I went. With, I went with third place with um, fourteen million, and I was pretty almost dead on. It was third place of twelve million. Um, yeah. So, did did pretty good, I guess. Not really. No. I did third place, twelve million. That's not good. Maybe goes away soon. Yeah, it probably will. But uh, Puss in Boots came in at first place of thirty-four million. Not very surprising, but actually a little lower than some would think. Probably because it's Halloween weekend and Paranormal Activity two three made. Um, 18 million mm-hmm. in second place and it's all it's gonna near it's gonna top 100 before not for too long then in time and uh, footloose which i did quite enjoy and i keep wanting to bring that up <laughs> that that made another chunk chunk of change and then the rum diary at fifth place with uh, five million fitting and yeah so that's that now uh, a few retro reviews i guess before we go on to our next review for the rum diary um abe any movies you thought of while you're watching uh in time besides like uh no uh, that, that's the answer and the only one that i really thought of was get rich or die trying and that was just because the title is uh funny enough to fit this movie but that was it no so i was just like i don't want to think about this movie helpful okay uh yeah i, I mentioned equilibrium that's a movie i thought of just be- for the, the reasons i brought up for killian uh, murphy's awesome whatever that was what is dress I, I was I was amused by Killian Murphy's insistence on wearing a very heavy black trench coat all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. you're a scarecrow. What are you gonna do? You know, I got my spindly little legs. I must hide them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, I thought of just because that's what the movie was obviously going for. It's very it's a very obvious movie. The dialogue doesn't leave any room for imagination or like subtext. It's just like oh yep, this is what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> yeah. We're clever. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on from there. Let's go on to um, the Rum Diary. Puerto Rico. I came down here looking for a story. It's called journalism. Your resume here. Don't look so anxious. I wouldn't have paid for your hotel if I hadn't already hired you. But I found the strangest paradise on earth. Hey, you made it. But you said you had a TV. The guy across the alley has a TV. 
I have binoculars. That's where your secrets come to dance. Don't notice the wig. And the voodoo <laughs> works its magic. And if the drinking doesn't get you into trouble, how does anybody drink 161 miniatures? Are they not complimentary? The women definitely will. I thought maybe you were a mermaid. I'm from Connecticut. All right, so that was a little bit of the trailer for The Rome Diary, the uh, new film starring Johnny Depp based on the novel by Hunter S. Thompson, um, directed by Bruce Robinson after a 19-year hiatus from directing. And um, the film stars Johnny Depp as Paul Kemp, a American journalist who has come to Puerto Rico basically to get away from the bastards in office, <laughs> I gotta assume. And, um, yeah, Paul takes up a, a freelance job with the San Juan Star, which is um, headed by its editor, Lauderman, played by Richard Jenkins. And there's a few other characters working with him in the in the star, uh, including uh, Bob Salas, played by Michael Rispoli, and uh, a drunkard, Hober, played by uh, Giovanni Ravisi. And basically the film involves Paul Kemp moving around with the local customs of Puerto Rico, involving himself with the various characters, including the shady businessman Sanderson, played by Aaron Eckhart, and, you know, indulging in a few bottles of rum here and there, drugs, alcohol, and other forms of debauchery. Um, yeah. Adam, what did you think of this movie? Okay. Um, so, it seems like Johnny Depp has a bit of a, a corner on the market for Hunter S. Thompson adaptations. Uh, and ironically enough, he was one of the producers for this film, so I've got to assume he was pretty closely involved. And I'm pretty I can, positive he was a, a friend of, of Thompson's that uh, he was alive. I can I can add a few things to that before you go on. Um, yeah, he was a friend of, of Thompson's, and he actually convinced Thompson to publish this book, The Rum Diary. The Rum Diary, he actually Thompson actually wrote around the 1960s when he was when when about his experiences, but he didn't publish it at all until Johnny Depp kind of convinced him to do so in the late 90s. Oh wow. Cool. I, I didn't know that. I actually haven't read the book. Um, the friend that I saw the film with had read the book, and it was kind of cool afterward to kind of get her interpretation as far as you know where it differed and whatnot. Um, so coming in, into it fresh, you know, I've been really excited for the film. It looked pretty great. But I've got to say, bland, bland, oh, bland. No. There's just nothing really there. I mean, it, it's, it's entertaining, I suppose. It's mildly amusing. But I had a hard time trying to get a sense for what the importance was of the central conflict. You know, I guess that this Sanderson guy, Aaron Eckhart, he wants to build this big hotel and he wants to some, he somehow he's going to make a lot of people angry who don't know that he wants to build a hotel. So I don't know why they were so angry at him. And then, you know, he tries to involve Johnny Depp and then Johnny Depp's kind of this stone drunkard guy. And then, Later on in the film, suddenly Johnny Depp is this take charge crusader for justice and truth, and it just didn't seem to hang together. And I just, it's, I guess, mildly amusing, but sadly, not much more than that. This sounds like in time. <laughs> I um, I think the film, I think that the, with the film being based on a work by Hunter S. Thompson, I think that's both that both serves the film well and is its greatest enemy because. It's true to the spirit of of, of a tough Thompson's work, I can say that, and I think Johnny Depp understands that. I think Bruce Robinson understands that. I think they understand how to how to capture some of the the spirit of what of what Thompson's writing and his persona would bring to a film, which was you know similar to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in some ways. Not it's kind of a distant cousin, I would say, even though he's portraying another version of. Thompson as a character, since right. the lead is essentially him in another in, in an alias. Um, but I also think, yeah, it's very, it's very aimless and meandering for a good portion of it. And then while it's very has a lot of manic energy, a lot of manic comic energy going on, in like the first half, the second half, and towards the end, it gets really, really slow. It becomes a really slow film, very almost bleak in a way, but just it really just kind of loses its all its energy and just becomes this kind of plotting film where yeah, nothing much, it becomes very bland, as you said. I think and it, what's weird is it becomes slow while the action on screen would suggest that it's supposed to be picking up in energy. Actually. Yeah. I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, I think 
with that said, I did, I would, I still, I gave it an overall mild recommendation just because I think there are a lot of good things in it. I think Johnny Depp, I think he knows how to play this character well. And I, I, I credit him with having a lot of, he's doing a lot with speech and mannerisms while playing basically a straight man character for a change opposed to, you know, having to dress up in costumes or wigs or put on accents or whatnot, which is fine in whatever role that's required of him to do so. But I mean, it's not necessary here. And I think it works well that he's with what he's given to do. And I also really, I really enjoyed these, the, the very character actor filled supporting cast. I liked uh, Michael Rispoli in particular as, um, kind of his best friend conscious Bob Salas, who's like the photographer this for the San One Star. And I think I think they shared a good amount of chemistry together, similar to something he's he, he's like a less very he's a less evil and scary version of Benicio del Toro's character in Fear and Living in Las Vegas. <laughs> and um so I like I like that buddy dynamic and I liked I liked a few other of the of the cast members. But yeah, overall, yeah, I would I would say that there's it does become bland at a point and it does it doesn't maintain and in an interesting level of energy as it did during throughout the film, but you know. So and, and even even as the, the films you know, the films you know going on and, and whatnot, and I, I gotta admit, Johnny Depp didn't really do anything for me in this role. I felt like he was just doing the usual Johnny Depp mannerisms, the usual reaction shots where his head turns slightly to the side and he his eyes get small and he starts to, you know, make these weird shapes with his mouth. I mean I I've seen him do it I didn't feel like there was, he was bringing anything new. I mean, it was a serviceable performance. It was okay. There are a couple of moments that are really funny, particularly a bit in a in a in a car where he has to end up sitting on somebody to drive the car, which reminded me of immediately of Arrested Development. Um, but and that's great. But I didn't feel like he really was bringing anything new to the performance that I haven't seen him do already. I, I mean, I, I like I liked him here. I th- I I don't. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's maybe his best like acting performance, but I think there's a lot. I think there's enough in his little nuances, and yeah, he's 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 done something similar before, but I don't think there's much required of him to really like go any kind of distance to make the character more more than it needs to be. And I think he does just enough. I yeah. I just I think when you're watching, at least for myself, when I'm watching a film, one of the main things that I if if I find myself asking the question, why is this story being told? That's almost never a good sign, you know. Wh- wh- why is this particular story? Why was you know millions of dollars thrown at this particular story to bring it to the screen? What what is it supposed to be giving to me? Is it giving me anything, you know? And, and in this case, unfortunately, I just felt like, you know, I I spent I don't know ninety minutes to two hours of my life. I'm not gonna get it back. I didn't lose it, but I didn't really gain anything in the process. Yeah, I can get I can get behind that because yeah, there isn't much to tell here and. There, yeah, the boot as, as I said, it meanders. There's a lot of yeah. It kind of just exists, and I mean, it's kind, of, it's fairly, it's fairly plotless, even though it has like some strands going on involving like there's the Amber Heard character who's um, Sanderson's fiance, who Paul Kemp becomes kind of obsessed with, and he's trying to be with her. And there's also the Sanderson character who has like as you described the land deal thing going up there, the hotel deal, where he, it's a, it's a. It's a mix of, you know, can Paul Kemp get in, into the story and reveal corruption going on or whatnot. But, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really amount to anything. And even the resolution, it does – the resolution, actually, I find kind of interesting to the film because it doesn't really tie anything up huh. with a happy bow, which wouldn't be fitting of something from Thompson's kind of work. But it just kind of ends in a basically a fairly realistic way and then kind of wraps it up with some text on the screen to further explain what – kind of there, happened but even though that even then there's not much there's not much story to be resolved to, to begin with so there's a couple of moments too where i think they lifted some of the the dialogue or some of the voiceover directly from from thompson and that stuff just crackles yeah I mean, there's some yeah. stuff where the, that sort of so I, I kind of grouped thompson with the beats in in, in my mind and he because he has that very very similar aesthetic and there were just some moments where you know i he, there's a bit where, where Johnny Depp is, is standing and he says, I smell, what does he say? I smell the smell of bastards. I smell the smell of truth. I smell ink. You know, something like that. It's just, it just crackles. And you wish that there would have been more energy like that in the film, more of that sort of rebel gonzo spirit. And unfortunately, a lot of the film is just, it, it's trying for that, but it just, like you said, it really meanders and doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, there's not a lot of, for Thompson, it was very, you know, he had very, 
very open stances on his view on 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 politics on republicans and on on uh, nixon especially during this time in the 60s and and the eisenhower administration i mean it's just there's a lot of things that i guess i'm not sure if it's because it's just not as culturally culturally relevant to bring it up as much in this film or not or like it just didn't really it didn't go into those kind of details as much as you would think it could have done it just kind of kind of sidesteps some of those things brings it up a little bit and then kind of reverts it over to the the whole Sanderson plot and like the, the newspaper that's going out of business and why people need to need to wake up and read things in Paul Kemp's eyes. Like he really wants, he, one of the things is he keeps wanting to like write, uh, write interesting news articles and, yeah. and the editor, Lauderman, he just wants, you know, happy, happy news that Americans can read and be like, Oh yeah, Puerto Rico is going to be sunny today. That's nice. <laughs> like he doesn't want any hard cutting journalism, even though there's no reason to have it in like something like this touristy, area in his eyes because paul kemp does he wants to be a part of that even though he's pretty much secluded himself from that kind of journalistic lifestyle by putting himself into puerto rico and you know yeah it's not that's not a theme that's brought up heavy enough i guess to really make it worthwhile in a meaningful kind of way when you leave the theater i mean it's it just kind of has these things but doesn't necessarily know how to make them more intriguing or interesting in comparison to how, how do you expound on it right exactly yeah yeah i've got to say the one thing was pretty pretty hilarious i don't know if you noticed this but in the apartment that the Rispoli character has that, that depp ends up moving moving into there's a poster on the side for eisenhower and mm-hmm. it says ike and dick <laughs> and i've got to say a poster like that would never get made today i'm sitting there, oh, is, that, is that a parody poster no oh my gosh that's what the actual poster actually was that's fantastic. <laughs> now I can say that Puerto Rico looked great in this movie. Was it actually just Miami? <laughs> no, it, they shot in Puerto oh. Rico and some Mexico and uh, oh, but mostly Puerto Rico. That's what I read, and um, it looked really good. I, I I enjoyed the photography in this movie quite a bit, which is something I like to notice every now and again. I mean, it, it looked really really nice. Like what as they. In a, in a way where it wasn't like overly showy, where the camera wasn't like this is how great our movie looks. It was more of the characters even acknowledging at points of just we're in some we're doing pretty well. Even in like the nighttime or stormy scenes. I mean, it's just a well photographed movie, and I enjoyed that aspect of it. I think there was for for a movie that's not devoted to being it's not a big studio movie at all. It's made by Film District. It's a fairly a fairly small studio. It's not. It's not. It's nowhere near the uh, the budgets for movies like uh, Johnny Depp's previous live action efforts, Pirates Four, or the Tourist movies that I really hated a lot. <laughs> where they just it's just basically an excuse for he and the cast to go on vacation and oh yeah we should I guess have some bad dialogue on the way. I think this movie does better justice to both having a fine looking location and for having you know some clever things to add to it. And there are some great individual moments like you know. Mostly involving cars. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's some great moments, but unfortunately, it just doesn't add up to much. That's a bummer. But it is what it is. It ain't much more than that, that's for sure. So, anything else on uh, the Rum Diary before we wrap that up? No, I feel good. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. As we've established, we have a rating system, and um, Adam, where would you put it on that scale? Uh. TV, if you have nothing else to do. All right, I, I I would say I would say Netflix. I think it's a it's a fine movie to check out when it once it debuts out in a Blu-ray DVD world. So uh, yeah, that's the uh, the Rum Diary. Any um, let's do a little retro review on it. Any any films you thought of while watching the Rum Diary? Ad? Oh gosh, uh, well I I was definitely brought to back to my mind some of the some of Johnny Depp's other work just because of the, sort of the the twitchy persona that he sort of uh, can't get away from. I can't say I thought of any specific film that really came to mind. Well, when you're, you know, giving your thing, I'll think of one of my own. Okay, well, um, yeah, I thought of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, mainly because just the, the other big-time Hunter S. Thompson work that Johnny Depp was a big star of, and I was thinking about how different these movies are. I think... Um, one thing that did strike me is that Fear and Loathing, among the many, many things that it is, it's certainly not a, it's not a fun romp. You wouldn't describe it as that. I, that's my, that's how I opened the my my written review of the Rum Diary, and I think the Rum Diary benefits from at least having a lighter tone than uh, Fear and Loathing. Not that it's a bad thing in Fear and Loathing. It's just that they're they're very different movies. I would say they're not like brothers. They're more just long lost cousins to each other. So there's a lot of 
there's a lot of when you have Terry Gilliam directing a film, there's a lot of weirdness that's brought to a movie. Long lost adopted cousins too. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed how, how separate those movies were, but I enjoyed them in different ways, I guess. But yeah, Fear and Loathing came to mind quite a bit when I was watching Rum Diary. Anything? Yeah, nothing. Nothing's really coming to mind that it, it really reminded me of. I haven't actually seen Fear and Loathing yet. I hope to read the book uh, first. There's that list of shame again. <laughs> hey, you know, you, you want to talk Swedish film from the 1960s? We can. <laughs> yeah, all right. So um, I guess we can do a little brief discussion about Puss in Boots, Adam, since you and I saw this movie. What are you doing here, senor? Did you lose your ball of yarn? <laughs> you made the cat angry. You do not want to make the cat angry. <laughs> I protect the innocent. I am Puss in Boots. Was it as bad as uh, as uh, we we're hoping that it was? Uh, no, because I enjoyed Puss in Excellent. Boots actually. Yeah. I um, I when when going into Puss in Boots, I was expecting it to you know be, I was expecting it to be like the Shrek sequels, which is to say you know kind of less than <laughs> good, and I I was surprised at how straightforward it was. It's a it's not a it's not a pop culture heavy movie like the Shrek sequels are. It's actually a fairly straightforward adventure film, more akin to something like Zorro or the first Shrek, I guess. And it's not as good as the first Shrek or for Zorro, but I think it I think it's fine. I think there's a, there's some humorous bits in it. I think um some something about having a spin-off movie from the Shrek series, I I you could be worried that, you know, having too much of a good thing like Puss in Boots would be, you know, overkill. But I think there's something that's not overbearing about that that character. I think Antonio Banderas' sensual, swashbuckling feline does well, like, on its own. I don't, I don't think, it, if it was, like, a donkey spinoff movie, I think that could be too much of one thing. But for some reason, Post and Boots worked for me as well, as a, as a standalone film. And uh, Salma Hayek seemed like an obvious choice interest for him and she did fine and I, but really i think zach galifianakis was what saved a lot of the movie for me Isn't i was surprised movie? at how yeah he's he voices puss's former best friend humpty alexander dumpty <laughs> and the, surprisingly there is a lot of pathos for that character something about how they wrote him made him like an like he's a very tragic figure in this movie and zach galifianakis is like more than game to make that work like it's not just a straight up comedic performance there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion involved in what that character represents in this movie mm. which i was surprised by overall i mean it's fine like this it's humorous at parts it's got some really cool action stuff nothing on the level of kung fu panda or kung fu panda 2 but i mean it does well with what is given and it you know it's it's got some nice adventure stuff but yeah i mean it's not a not a not a great movie but it's a, it's a good movie i would say you know, I've got to say, I, I, I agree. I quite liked the movie. I mean, it's certainly not on the, the level of something like Shrek or uh, or Shrek 2, but it's a lot of fun. You know, where the Shrek movies are more of a um, a relentless gag fest within this fairy tale universe, Puss in Boots, like you said, it's much more of a straightforward, heroic quest kind of narrative. Just kind of going through and, you know, outlining the hero's goals, and he's relentless in his... His, uh, his search for these magic beans of <laughs> Jack and Beanstalk fame and whatnot. And, you know, the, the voice talent's pretty good. I wasn't as crazy about Zach Galifianakis. I think Shrek and Donkey are a much more compelling duo than Puss and Humpty Dumpty. I agree with that, yeah. So, I mean, those guys I think I, I cared more about. But, but uh, like you said, Antonio Banderas is so... Uh, he's so fun in this film. You know, he, I, hearing that voice, you know, Uno leche, por favor. 
you know, or seeing the little flashback sequences with the young puss, and then he finally speaks, and it's that voice coming out of this little kitten. Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, that's fantastic. And you know, it, it's a lot of fun. Again, it's not on the level of some other ones, but it's not a total embarrassment by any stretch. It's a nice way to spend a you know, lazy Saturday afternoon and certainly something the kids would like. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, uh, we we didn't we didn't see this in three D, but there are a couple of pretty large sequences that I think actually would have been served well in three D, actually. I, I there, there's there's a level of animation which doesn't come as a surprise at this point. I think DreamWorks Animation kind of knows what they're doing with these kind of movies. They they make it work. There's a lot of fine details and a lot of great details and like when it gets to the larger scope of things and how it deals with some of the the the, the larger aspects of the film and you know the little to the little hairs on on Puss's face. <laughs> and none of that too. There's a great use of. Uh... Jack and Jill. I would never have thought of them as villains, but somehow they make Jack, yeah, Jack and Jill, Jill the villains. Voiced by Billy Bob Thornton and Amy Sedaris. They're uh, they're like murderous outlaws in this film who are like struck they're like they're 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 holding on to the magic beans and And Jack yeah. wants a baby. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> I want a baby. Like uh, they're trying to work through, you know, whether or not they can be good parents or whatnot and, and but he's uh you haven't been the same since you fell down and broke your crown, Jack. <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's I, I there'll be some sequels, most likely, and, and if they're anything like this, you know, there'll be some nice uh, additions to the expanded Shrek universe. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, if it, if, because I was really, I was, the most thing, I, the biggest thing I was surprised about is how it's not a pop culture heavy film. There's no, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's based around the fairy tale characters, but it doesn't go, it doesn't have, you know, random. Random jokes that, you know, deal with things that are going on now, which will be dated, you know, years past. Look it's at, much more straightforward than, it, than the Shrek films. It is. And if and if there were other spinoffs from the Shrek universe, which I don't, nece- I don't necessarily want, but if they followed a pattern like that where, you know, try to do something different than just be another Shrek film that happens to have different characters. Right. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too bothered by it, so... You know, I, did this have any cameos from the other uh, characters from the Shrek universe, or is it no. purely just Puss in Boots and his his background? Well, since the answer is no, I'm gonna say no. But God, Abe, just go over those spoilers all the time, huh? Just can't, just can't. <laughs> no, no, no. What we're talking spoilers. about? <laughs> I've never seen. I didn't see this movie. I'm just asking a question. At the same time, I mean, I think that's really a strength. They didn't. They're not relying yeah. on anything from the previous films except for the Puss character. Yeah, yeah. It didn't shoehorn in, you know, Shrek and Donkey at the end saying, "Oh, damn, what's up?" So just... Well, I will say one thing. I wish they had explained a little bit better. Is that is the film is supposed to be a prequel mm-hmm. to the Shrek's, uh, his encounter with Shrek and whatnot. And I didn't feel they really made that clear. I wasn't exactly sure where I was in the whole Shrek timeline. So, I mean, yeah. he he wasn't a loyal friend with Shrek, so it was clear. This is true, but I mean, hey, I mean, this is this is Puss in Boots we're talking about. Perhaps you know the guy got tired of the civilized, settled down life and wanted to go his own way. I don't know. <laughs> you know that just means Diablo. Does Diablo Gato really want to hang around with an ogre all the time? No. That just that just leave that just leaves the uh, the film the the Puss in Boots franchise open for for multiple timelines and future sequels. Yeah, it's like Star Trek, only good. <laughs> <laughs> And, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a yeah, pleasant surprise for Chris and Boots. I, yeah, I, w- I would agree. I would, I would agree with that. So, well, uh, I guess we can assign a rating to this one too. I, I would say Dollar Theater is fine for Puss and Boots because I think it looks good on a big screen. So, I could go with Dollar Theater slash theater, leaning more towards Dollar Theater. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's a little. A little bit of Puss in Boots as well, and uh, okay, a little retro review, I guess. Uh, any movies you thought of? Well, you know, there's these little movies about a green ogre called Shrek. <laughs> I haven't heard of it. I know, and I, ironically, you know, for the longest time, Shrek was my favorite computer animated film, even over anything Pixar had done. Now, I mean, in the, that in the time since Pixar has put out a couple of awesome, you know, truly, you know, great films, not just animated, Cars, Cars great. Two, Bugs well, Life. I will say, I love Cars. Uh, I'll go toe to toe with you over cars any day of the week, but um. I'll go wheel to wheel with you over cars any day of the week. Wah, wah. Yeah, I'm going muffler to muffler. Spoiler to spoiler. Yeah. I like spoilers. But no, I, yeah. but no I, I, I thought of Shrek obviously, and, and like you said, it works at a really different 
pace than Shrek, but it manages to take that universe and you know, kind of do something different. Yeah, that I agree with that. And uh, Zorro. I kept thinking Zorro in this movie just because I was so into the adventure vibe of the film, which I didn't see coming. But, you know, it works as a solid adventure film. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, that brings us to the end of the, the lengthy movie review section. And I think it's going to take us into a special time, or as Abe likes to call it, game time. I do? All right, so that music, of course, means it's now game time. And um, Abe, you wanna yeah. you wanna set up our game for sure. us? Sure. The game we're gonna play this week is the movie tagline game, where I will read some movie taglines, and the first person to get to three will be the winner. So we'll get started on our first one. Get an afterlife. This is a '90s film. Is it Casper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The next one is the first superhero from New Jersey. It's an 80s film. Kind of a B movie, wow. I'd say. From New Jersey. Yeah, I don't know if that really Gosh. gives it away. It's it's kind of like a a really kind of stupid movie. I have no clue. It's almost a guy with a mop. From New Jersey. There's a, oh. there's a janitor man movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Toxic Avenger. The Toxic, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, the next one is See Our Family and Feel Better About Yours. It's a 2000 film. 2000s film. See Our Family. Cheaper Brother Doesn't? Mm-mm. Provide the dozen too. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is uh, the longest running show on television. The Simpsons. Yeah. That was the tagline? Yeah. For the Simpsons movie? See our family and feel better about yours. <laughs> All right. Um, this next one is Size Does Matter. Godzilla. <laughs> Okay, and the last one for, well, hopefully the win, if Aaron gets this right. His story will touch you, even though he can't. It's a 90s film. Ghost? No. <laughs> what? Ghost Dad? <laughs> oh, God. This has His an story actor that you we were talking about a lot during this podcast, including in the question section. I know everybody. Edward Scissorhands? Yeah, that's correct. All right. I'm not finished yet. What? I don't remember us mentioning Edward Scissorhands. No, no, we, we mentioned, mentioned Johnny Depp. Depp. Oh. Yeah. I, I like the way you were uh, so subtly pulling for, uh, for Aaron there. Aaron. No. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if we, it's for the win if, uh, if uh, Aaron can uh, pull it out here. Is that how I sound? <laughs> yeah, you sound exactly like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about that weekend. Yeah. For Muppets Weekend? Yeah. The Muppeting? The Muppeting, yeah. All right, yeah. so uh, that's the movie tagline game. All right, so that's going to bring us to next week, where we, um, we're we going to predict the box office for the movie we're going to review next week, and that movie is A Very 3D Harold and Kumar Christmas. Oh, yeah. It, it's all it's getting low now, It's good because it's, it's going to be a very special movie. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, that's, that's what's coming out next week, The Return of Harold and Kumar. Um... Harold has apparently stepped away from the Enterprise, and Kumar has stepped away from the White House to uh, provide us with the the latest adventure with the the Stoner Comedy Group. So, Abe, what do you think Harold and Kumar is going to make next weekend? I'll give you two things: uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, made five million in its opening weekend. Guantanamo Bay, the much loved or hated sequel, um, made fourteen million in its opening weekend. Hmm. Well, they do have a strong fan following, but I guess not really a huge box office presence. Um, but it is 3D. It is 3D. Oh, and and it is Christmas. <laughs> In early November. Yeah. Two things that go together. It's 3D and Christmas. That's right. That's, that's, that's what Jim Carrey brought to box office bombing gold of the Christmas Carol. <laughs> I don't think that's oh, made its money back yet. Anyway, uh, Abe. Is there anything else opening that weekend? 
Tower Heist opens that weekend. Okay. Uh, I will say third place with 15 million. Third with 15. Okay. Adam? First with 20. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I will say second with 17. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. What'll be great is if, if it gets first place with 17 million. I, then it'll be like, beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I highly doubt it. I think Tower Heist is going to do quite well next weekend, regardless of <laughs> various things. But anyway, that's going to take us to the end of Out Now. Um, you can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodeofzeke.com, as well as... Uh, whysoblue.com where you can find all my written reviews for movies and blu-rays uh, you can also find me on twitter at twitter.com slash aaron's ps3 abe uh people can find more of my work at walrusmoose.blogspot.com two animals walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose and adam you can find more of my work at things i know about the movies which is located at www.everythingyoualwayswantedtoknow.blogspot.com at moviesmackdown.com and at twitter.com slash ilTwinAnarchist. All right, and you can find all of the episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes on hhwlod.com where you can find our show as well as the other shows on that network, which include uh, Legion of Dudes, Walking Dead TV Podcast, and other fun shows that involve games and comics and movies and fun stuff like that. You can also find all of our, most of our episodes and a few exclusives on outnow.podomatic.com. You can also email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. Um, that should do it for this week. And Adam, good having you on again. Always always a pleasure. Well, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's always fun and pleasure to talk about uh, Rum Diary and learn a lot about uh, why I didn't go see In Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that, should, that should do it then. So uh, until next week, goodbye, bye-bye, bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>